Awesome. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, again, I trust that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And it is my honor to be bringing the second installment of our At The Movies series today. And I'm going to be bringing, taking you on an adventure with a classic Disney story that most of you have probably either heard about and maybe some of you have watched called The Little Mermaid. Now, before some of you are like, oh no, I'm tuning out. I am not going to watch a children's film. But here's what I love about kids' films is that sometimes as adults in our journey, we get a little serious to the point where we literally just stop believing. And we stop believing that miracles are possible. And I love the childlike faith that is stirred when you're watching these films because there's a, an element of belief that, man, maybe there is something bigger than myself that I'm a part of. And actually, maybe there's someone who I can look to and it has more to do with than, than what I can do in my own strength. Can anyone say, I hope so? Come on, this modern day parable is actually a reminder that true fulfillment can truly be, can only be found in a life in Christ. In fact, I've entitled the message, The Path to True Fulfillment. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you this morning, God, that you are truly, God, the God that reigns above it all. God, that you reign above all the different situations and circumstances, not only in our personal life, but in the world. God, that you are, God, the God of the impossible, even when we can't comprehend it, even when we can't wrap our mind around it, God, that you have solutions the world has not yet seen. God, and that you choose to use ordinary men and women, God, to, to bring forth your purposes in the earth. Father, as we open your word, even through a children's story, would you read us today? God, would you speak to every heart in this room that we would walk out hearing exactly what you needed us to hear today? In Jesus' name, amen. So for those of you who have not seen the story of the Little Mermaid, I'm just going to kind of summarize for you. But essentially, King Triton is the king of the sea. He has a young daughter, and her name is Ariel. She's the youngest of many. And in fact, they actually, he lost his wife to human hands uh, as she had, uh, the, as the mother, the, the mother of Ariel and the wife of Triton had sw swam to the surface and she was killed. And so therefore, there's a rising tension between King Triton trying to keep his daughter safe and Ariel, this young, curious heart who wants to see the world. In fact, Ariel's young, curious heart actually uh, leads her to make a bad decision. Has anybody ever made a bad decision before? In disappointment and discouragement and in rebellion, quite frankly, is where she's at. She makes a deal with her evil Aunt Ursula in this movie. And it's the wrong spirit. And essentially what she does is she's tricked. She's deceived by her aunt. And her aunt actually acts like she wants to help her. But really what the aunt wants is to get to her brother, King Triton's trident, which is kind of the symbol of power. It's the, it's the quintessential good and evil plot that makes pretty much all Disney films. But we keep paying for them. As followers of Christ, and for the purposes of the parable in this movie, we can be a lot like Ariel. We can have a rebellious and wondering heart. We can question our father's authority. We can question his boundaries just like she does in the movie. 
And instead of trusting that God's heart for us, that he actually in him is everything we need, including the dreams and the desires that he's put on the inside of us, even if we don't know how he's going to make it happen. In fact, God's more powerful than Satan, and we all know that, or we come to believe that, yes, we understand that he's already defeated the enemy, and he's given the same power that raised Christ from the dead in us, but that does not mean that he's going to stop trying to deceive us, and he's going to stop trying to get illegitimate power with the words of our lips. What he wants to do is he wants to to trick us, to deceive us into believing that we are actually, that God is not good. And he begins to sow doubt into our hearts so that the power of our agreement, hello, we are co-heirs with Christ, we are legitimate children, sons and daughters who've been adopted. But if he he can get our agreement then he can get us off the right path for our lives. In fact, some of you, God's given you some dreams in this room. In fact, some of you actually have dreamed of, of owning your own business, of maybe God's given you a vision of a certain position in your workplace or vocation that he's called you to. Maybe some of you have books on the inside of you because you've lived a life that needs to be told on paper. In fact, some of you, you have a dream of getting married or remarried or having a family or having children. Some of you have dreams of of maybe purchasing that dream home in in warmer climate. Hello, I always kind of think that I have to entertain it for a second during the winter here in the DMV. And I'm like, nope, Jesus has called me. He has called me to this four seasons. And for some of you, it's just taking longer than you thought. And in fact, it's taken so long that you've gotten impatient. And you've you've been to begin, begin to entertain the lies of the enemy. Or worse, you've just given up. And you've settled for a life that is just okay. When God's saying, hey, sons and daughters, I want you to lean in today because I have so much more. In fact, God's word promises us a different way. Psalms 32, 8, he says, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye on you. This word instruct actually means to make wise. How many know it takes a little while to get wise? take some mistakes and some school of hard knocks and we get the scars of wisdom to show and tell about it. And success in understanding, he's saying, hey, it's going to take a little while. If you'll let me counsel you, if you'll let me advise you in your plans and you'll let me help you. The Bible tells us that we have an enemy of our soul, John 10, 10. For some of you, maybe this is old news. For some of you, you're like, what? I got an enemy of my soul? I thought Jesus already defeated him. He did. But we've got to have a defense strategy so that we can fight with the tools that God's given us. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. Why? Because we are image bearers of our Father. Every time we walk upright, even in our weakness, we say, hey, I'm reminding you, devil, of where, you're, uh, where the victory belongs to God. When we walk it out, because we are representatives and we are ambassadors of him in the earth. So I want to give you three defensive strategies today. Is that okay? Three defensive strategies because I am the wife of a preacher and I am one. So, and it's just easier to, uh, to remember. So before we do play this first scene in The Little Mermaid, King Triton actually finds out that his daughter has been collecting treasures. We'll call them treasures, but they are human collectibles, right? Things that, from shipwrecks because she's, she's holding on to this dream of maybe interacting with humans. But her father has got some trauma of his own, and he is saying, no way. 
There is no way you can interact with humans. And so there's this rising tension. Let's play scene one. See that Ariel is entertaining the voice of the enemy. In fact, if we're going to defend ourselves against the enemy's attacks, then we are going to have to make up our mind to give God our disappointment. We're going to have to give him our disappointment. She's disappointed. She, her, her hobby has been and her dream has been to collect all of these items, and yet her father kind of just destroyed these, we'll call them idols, if you will. And here she is. She's disappointed and she's discouraged. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, we have an enemy as well. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We see Ursa actually sows doubt into the mind of Ariel about what her father, who he is, that he actually loves her and he's trying to protect her, and his intentions towards her. And this is the classic story of Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, where Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. They're sitting there, and God says, hey, you have total freedom. Here's your boundaries. You can go anywhere you want to go in the garden, but hey, don't eat from this one tree. And what does the serpent do? The enemy tricks them into believing, into Eve believing that God is not good, and he's not who he says he is. In fact, he says, did God really say not to eat from the tree? in the garden. So what do we see? We see he's planting seeds of doubt. And oftentimes, the reason why we, why we get deceived is because we're not on guard. That, hey, during times of discouragement and disappointment, we have to, we, we just need to be mindful that we have an enemy and that he's prowling around looking for an inn. He's looking for a doorway in vulnerability, in times of vulnerability, and he will exploit them. That's what he does. He's ruthless. Church, and if you don't believe that you have an enemy, he's already got you fooled. You do have victory, but we've got to learn to fight. We have to learn to fight with God's word. In fact, we have to acknowledge our pain. Has anybody ever had a disappointment in your life? <laughs> Come on, discouragement and disappointments are just a part of living. But here's what we, we don't have to waller in those places. But we do have a father, Father God, who can identify with our pain. And he can come into this place and all he wants to know, he knows that we have delayed dreams. He knows we have discouragements in our relationships and the progress that we make in life or maybe that our plans don't work out the way that we think they should. But here's what we know. Jesus completely understood. In fact, Matthew 26, 38, right before he marches to crucifixion, to this cross that he bears, he says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So even Jesus knows, hey, this is not a time to be alone. This is definitely not a time to be alone. And he asked, his, he asked his disciples, hey, stay and pray with me. I'm discouraged. Jesus understands that. In fact, in Hebrew, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, he reminds us that he had to become fully human so that he could identify in our pain and in our suffering. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's good news, church. That Jesus can, he's there. He just needs us to give us what he already knows. Is anybody like me? Sometimes you're like, hey, you know, Jeremy will even say like, hey, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing, I'm good. Just let me be, right? 
And we can be the same way with God. We can be the same way where we're like, actually, something's really bothering us. And we've actually been triggered by certain things. And and, and we're just wanting to be alone all by ourselves. And the problem is in those moments, that's when the enemy comes. And he whispers lies that are simply not true. In fact, King David, the author of Psalms, if you are ever having a bad day or you're wondering, like, can God handle my stuff? Go ahead and read a book of Psalms. Psalms 139, 1 through 4. Lord, you have examined me and you know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You know my thoughts before I even think them. So when the enemy whispers, oh, he wouldn't understand. He he doesn't really care. That's not what my Bible tells me. My Bible tells me that he totally knows where we're at in every circumstance, on the mountaintop and in the valley. And how many know, most of the time, it's in the valley that the enemy tries to sell us lies. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody who was completely unfazed by the authentic you just letting it all hang out? Has anybody ever experienced this? I remember as a young adult, um, there were two people in my life at that particular time. Now, I don't know about you, but I was kind of the, the young adult, teenager slash young adult who was a little hard-headed. Is anybody one of those, or maybe you have one? And my parents were, they did an amazing job of, of loving me unconditionally, but sometimes you got to have some reinforcements, and all the parents said, amen. You got to have some reinforcements. So God, in his good grace, sent a, what I'm going to call a, another spiritual mama and a prayer warrior in my life, as well as a pastor, who basically said, hey, I'm unfazed by your brokenness. I'm unfazed by you taking the mask totally off. And yet they could still call forth the, the goodness of God and the plan that he had for my life. Now, Ariel had Sebastian. Sebastian's like, where is that girl going? What is she doing? Does she know that she's the king's daughter? Come on, we all need some Sebastians in our life. We need some people who it's like, hey, yeah, I know I'm discouraged. I know it's ugly cry time. I know I'm in this place, but you know what? God has a plan. Hey, don't believe the the, the lies of the enemy. Trust your father. We've got to have some voices in our life who are unfazed by our humanity and our broken moments. Come on, if you, if you have not taken advantage of getting involved in a community group here at Catalyst Church, guess what? Spring groups are around the corner. You got to get a friend or two who yeah, you can take the mask off with. And you can be honest and you can be vulnerable. Hey, I'm discouraged. I'm disappointed. And they say, hey, you know what? Man, I see what God sees in you. All of us need those kind of friends in our life. In fact, Sometimes we don't really grasp how much, how much God is unfazed by our, by our humanity and our brokenness until we experience it through another human being, being the hands and the feet of Christ to one another. And guess what? We can all receive it and we can all be that to somebody else. In fact, it wasn't until I experienced these relationships that I fully understood and am still fully understanding what 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says. But he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We spend so much time trying to hide our weaknesses. And he's like, hey, I don't need you to to do that. I actually, I already know what you're thinking. If King David needs to pour his soul out, how many know we need to pour our soul out? We have full permission to be authentically ourselves. He wants an intimate relationship with us. 
In fact, when the enemy comes prowling, he whispers lies like, God is not really good. You know when you got passed over for that promotion or you didn't get into that school? He continues to wedge those lies by saying things like, hey, you know you're really not that smart. You should just be happy you got what you got. Right? He begins to sell us lies. And essentially, what is he doing? He's planting seeds of doubt in the goodness of God. And that church is the opportunity for us to get on the offense. Number one, we're, now we're on, we have a defensive strategy. I know I'm discouraged, therefore I'm on the lookout, right? And then I'm going to be on the offense. I'm going to use my sword to fight. In fact, we're going to fight with what? The sword of the spirit. The word of God tells us that that's what it is. We don't fight with the same weapons the world does. They're not carnal. They're for tearing down strongholds. In fact, Romans 8, 28 says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Do you love him? Great. He's working it out for your good. Even when you don't get into that college that you were hoping for. Even when you don't get that promotion you were hoping for. He's still working it out. Is it done yet? No. Then he's still working. He's still working. Lamentations 3.25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him. This is the key to unlocking a truly fulfilling life. It's not getting everything our, ho- our hearts have ever desired. It's trusting him in the process because we know that he is actually the reward. It's having relationship with Jesus. It's knowing that no matter what, God is with me and he is for me. Maybe the enemy has whispered, God doesn't really care about you. He doesn't really care about you. You've been dealing with financial pressures and situations and circumstances that you can't get out of. Maybe you've had a a bill of bad health lately. And he's whispering, see, he doesn't really care. If he cared, he would have healed you by now. It's the, it's the enemy. He's ruthless. He gets in there and he begins to sow lies. And again, this is a, a moment of weakness and disappointment. What do we do? We fight with our sword. We recognize, hey, 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 I got a defensive strategy here. And by the way, I'm not going to do it alone. And then I'm going to remind him of the word of God. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God makes a way of our escape. He did for Jesus. Jesus says, hey, I'm not going to let you be tempted more than than you can bear. You can do this. I'm giving you the tools. So what areas of your life are you discouraged and disappointed lately? Is there some news that you've received recently that is just, it's been heart-wrenching for you and you're discouraged? Maybe some of you are grieving. Grieving losses doesn't mean just losing people, although it can. It could be losing opportunities or losing uh, situations or, or relationships. It's in these moments that we can just choose to turn to God. That's a part of our defensive strategy, church. He's given us the tools to overcome. In fact, if we're going to defend ourselves against the enemy of our soul, we're going to have to also focus on long-term fulfillment. If you're taking notes, this is point number two. Focus on long-term fulfillment over short-term satisfaction. In fact, Ariel actually ends up trading her voice. Now, she's got a beautiful voice. In fact, I can remember as a kid, I, uh, I, although I couldn't really sing, I did have red hair. So the 1989 version, I would literally swim in the pool just like a lot of little girls would. And you would literally fling the hair like she did, right? And then you're singing like part of your world, right? You're bearing your soul. God, you know, there's got to be more than these four walls, right? That, that was me. 
she trades her voice. And it cost her way more than she thought. Because actually what she wanted, the prince, what he remembered from her saving his life in a shipwreck was her voice. Let's watch scene two. So Ariel makes a deal with her Aunt Ursula to give her voice for a pair of legs. And what she realizes eventually, just like sin does to us, when we decide to go our own way, take matters into our own own hands, regardless of the Father's boundaries, and we're left paying a bill that's much higher than we anticipated. In fact, James 1, 14 through 16 says that then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. In fact, the enemy's always selling the piece of fruit that looks far better. It's the one thing. It's the thing that God says is off boundaries. And yet, he entices us. He appeals to our flesh. And when we take the bite, it's, it costs far more than we expected to pay. So we have to make up our mind at some point. Hey, if I'm going to have a defensive strategy, then I need to understand that I'm going to have to do thing, things God's way. And we're also going to have to to follow his design, which includes his boundaries. How many know the word of God? They're like guardrails. When I always used to, I used to go bowling with my dad growing up. I love the bumper cars. Come on, you know you're going to knock something over when you have the, you have like the bumpers on the lanes. They're not going to go in the in the gutter. Essentially, that's what God's word does to us. It gives us freedom to move. But it also gives us boundaries. It gives us lanes so that we can actually hit our target and what we, are, we all are looking for, which is a path of a fulfilling life. Who doesn't want to fulfill what God put us on the planet for? That God had in mind when he wove you in your mother's womb. Who doesn't want to live that out to the fullest? I think the saddest thing for any, any human but especially those who know Christ, to say that we go to the grave not living out the fullness of who God had intended us to be and the difference he called us to make. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it this way, Romans 6, 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, which is essentially right standing with God. The one who designed you to be in right standing with who God has called you to be. In fact, we see after Ariel actually realizes this, she's rigged the whole thing. There's no, there's no way she can get him to fall in love with her without her voice. And so he, she tricks her, and, and the deal was that, hey, Ariel, if he doesn't fall in love with you without your voice, by this time, you become my slave. And so that's what happens to Ariel. She gets dragged to the bottom of the sea with Ursula until she realizes that her father, that's really what what she was after. She wasn't after actually helping her. She wanted her father's power. And so essentially what happens is she takes her to her father. And as soon as King Triton sees his daughter enslaved, what does he do? He trades places. He trades places. This is the same thing that that God did with his son, Jesus. He said, for our freedom, he makes a a grand exchange. That's what this whole gospel is about. He makes a grand exchange so that we can go free. And it's our free will. 
So King Triton trades places. He gives Ariel the freedom to choose. And what does she do? She says, she could, have, she could have left. She could have gone to the other side of the sea. But she says, no, now I'm about my father's business. And I'm coming back to fight. And that's what she does. She comes back and she fights Ursula to the death. In fact, as a young, maturing young driver, uh, my parents used to joke and, be, uh, and, and tell me I had a heavy foot, which is still true to this day. However, I am more disciplined now. And my dad was actually a Florida law enforcement officer. And I, I stand here telling you today that I got way more grace than I deserved. He paid a lot of tickets I should have paid. And it wasn't until I got to the greater D.C. metropolitan area that I understood how good my daddy was to me. Because... D.C., Maryland, and Virginia don't play, and you're going to get a ticket no matter what. But sometimes it takes us growing up a little bit to realize the price that was paid. And when the price is paid, you realize, man, this was costly. And he don't, I don't have to serve God. I get to serve God. I don't have to do this. I want to. I want to lay down my life so that others can know him because this is the Father's heart. I saw the extent of his love for me when he put his son, Jesus, on the cross. It's the same way that Ariel saw the extent of her father's love when at first she saw it as boundaries and rules and regulations, someone to hold her back. She saw it as freedom. She finally saw, though, this is what it was all about to give me freedom, and she willingly chooses to fight. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 instructs us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance, church, the race that God has set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. It was you and me. It was the love that he had for us that he continued to press his way. That he laid down his life for us so that we could have the free will to choose him back. In fact, because of what Christ did on Calvary, he's delivered you from workaholism and people-pleasing. Why? So that you can be on display as a living epistle that you don't have to live in slavery anymore. You can live for the audience of one. His name is Jesus. God delivered you from that addiction because he doesn't want anything, no short-term fix, no short-term satisfaction to define you. God's healed you of that disease so that you can be a walking hope to others who are still suffering in their body that God still heals today. He's delivered you from that toxic relationship because he wants you to be a living epistle, to know that, hey, no relationship, even the good husbands and wives, come on, and all the husbands and wives said amen, can satisfy you the way Jesus can. He's the only one that was, he, he formed us with a God-sized hole that only he can fill. And all the spouses said, thank you, Jesus. That's not my job. That's not my job. Come on. He wants us to be living epistles, living testimonies of God's goodness. And, and it can be really easy to sit and listen to messages like this as unperfect people and say, you know what, though, but I'm, I'm not totally free. Hey, 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 you're not where you were yesterday. 
It's called a process of sanctification where we get freed up from our hangups and our yesterdays so that we can live to testify of the goodness of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the reality is short-term fixes and counterfeits will never fulfill us. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. Everybody can take a deep breath. God's faithful, though, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's made a way of escape. So here's my challenge for you. Is there an area of your life that you have been tempted to settle for a short-term fix? over long-term fulfillment and satisfaction in life? Is there an area where you've even been tempted to take matters into your own hands? The Bible is chock full of people who got impatient (laughs) in the journey, of people who decided, hey, I think I'm going to do it my way. And here's the good news, that he still loves us. He still relentlessly pursues us and comes after us. He's, He's always always available and willing to accept uh, our, our apologies and to ask for forgiveness and extend grace every time. Lastly, if we're going to defend ourselves against the enemy's attack and truly live a path of fulfillment with our lives, then we're going to have to trust God's plan. So we know that Ariel actually is defeated. He, she defeats Ursula. Uh, King Triton is restored to the sea and all is well. He's got his daughter home safely and yet her heart still longs for more. Let's pick up last, the last scene. The fairy tale ending. The fairy tale ending. You know, oftentimes God gives us dreams in our heart and he gets us get glimpses of the future that we're not yet ready to walk in. And sometimes it's, it's us, but sometimes it's also the circumstances and the situations around us. You know, we live lives that are bigger than ourselves. And sometimes it's about the people that go along with us on the journey, which explains sometimes the weight, the long waits of God. The Bible's chock full of them. In fact, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. This Hebrew word trust actually means to be confident in, to, to have full confidence in weight in relying in him. And oftentimes that is what the enemy likes to do. He likes to sow doubt, just like Ursula did with King Triton. What'd your father tell, tell you about me? Am I really that bad? Yeah, he's really that bad. He really doesn't want your best. The enemy really does want to still kill and destroy you, but Christ has come that you can have life and have it to the full. This word submit actually means to notice or to learn. It's to be revealed. Oftentimes we want the path of fulfillment. God, what am I supposed to do with my life? You've given me these glimpses, but yet they have to be revealed. They have to be revealed in time because how many know every time we take a step in life, we're learning. We're growing. We're learning to hear God more clearly. We're learning to be obedient to his boundaries, to his limits. And we're growing in this relationship, just like a relationship that you've been in a long time. I know Jeremy and I are more trusting of each other than the day we got married. And the same is true for us in our walk and our history with God. It's trusting him when you don't understand. In fact, All along, Ariel's father, King Triton, had the power to give her, to to launch her into her destiny and launch her into her dreams, but she was looking for it outside of his hand. 
And so oftentimes it can feel so simple, but truly, if we will stay within the boundaries of the Lord and we will use his word as the guide for our life, then we can fully trust him that we'll walk out all that he's put into our hearts, church, if we'll trust him. We see one of the great heroes of faith, Moses. He had a great sense of justice. And he had a great sense of passion to free his people who had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And in a moment of taking matters into his own hands, he kills an Egyptian soldier and he gets exiled for 40 years into the desert, delaying what God had called him to do. But how many know in the 40 years, what was he learning? He was learning to trust. He was learning to put his full weight in God. He was learning to trust God along the journey. And he was learning to submit his ways to God's ways. The glimpse in the dream, the passions he put in his heart were correct. But it was learning to do it within God's boundaries. We see the same is true of, of the shepherd boy David who, won, who became a king. He was the youngest of his brothers, often forgotten about, and he was taking care of sheep, the the least predominant vocation you could have. And, And all the while, he's singing love songs to God. He's working on his intimate relationship with Jesus. And little did he know that all those years of killing bears and lions, when nobody was watching, All those years of him being faithful to God were actually teaching him to trust that God had his destiny in his hands. And it was for an appointed time. It's in these areas that we want to rush through in our lives that God's doing his greatest work. We have to trust his process. We have to trust the fullness of God. In fact, we can bank on Psalms 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Ariel eventually submitted her ways to the boundaries of her father's protection, and he had the power all along to launch her into her dreams. The same is true for you, church. If there's some areas that you've been challenged with and you're you're being tempted to take matters into your own hands, the Lord says, wait. Wait on the Lord, and he will deliver you. You know, I can remember a dream of wanting to go to graduate school many, many, many years ago. The truth is I couldn't afford it, but I really wanted to go. And I felt God was leading me somewhere else. In fact, I felt he was leading me to take a job that I didn't want, actually. (laughs) Doing something I would never choose to do and in a place I had not even considered. And I remember having conversations with my father. And my dad said, hey, Christina, Nothing's impossible for God. You just got to trust his plan. Do what he says. A year and a half later, where I had learned to trust God more, I had learned to listen to his voice, hear his voice, and obey what he said, even if I didn't like it and his boundaries for my life, that a door flung wide open. It did not look the way I thought it would look. It didn't look the way that I had imagined it looking. But how many know I got a full working scholarship to graduate school? You know what that means, right? You work and they pay for your school. So that's called work and school. That's not what I had dreamed. I thought, well, you know, just put it on a silver platter for me. That was not God's purpose and plan. But how many know he provided Sometimes we're looking for God to do something a certain way and we think he hasn't moved, but he's like, no, I've already, I've, I've moved. It just doesn't look the way that you think it should look. 
because there was so much that happened. The relationships that I formed, the places I went. God opened my life during that time as I began to, as I just trusted him. It looked different than I thought, but he had a plan. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, the band can come. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. At some point, we're going to have to wrestle with submitting our lives and submitting our plans and being obedient to what God has said and trusting him with the rest. For some of you, it is time to trust God in your relationships again. I know you want to be married. I know you, you want to, to be healed of the toxic relationship baggage that has come. And what we need to do is give the disappointment to God and trust him. This is going to be a long-term process for freedom so that you can trust God again. Because he is so beautiful. He, he, he does it so well. But he restores all, thing in, in, all things in time. Ariel disobeyed her father. And yet, God still blessed her. <laughs> he restored everything. And the truth is that we've all far, fallen short of the grace of God. And yet, he continues to restore us and put us right back on the path. You can't, you can't outrun God. He, he doesn't run out of grace. But it also wasn't cheap grace. It's costly. It cost him his life. It cost Jesus his life. So we have to do something with that. Others of you, it's time to trust God to lead you on your vocational path. You're tired of trying to figure it out. Some of you are in different phases of that vocational path and trying to figure out what does the next season look like. And he just says, trust me. It's time to give him that area once again. We don't ever outgrow trusting God. We don't graduate to a place where we don't need his help. This is a process. This is learning to trust him. So what dreams do you need to trust and submit to God again today? Some of you, he's just stirring your heart again. He's, something came to mind while we were talking. And, and, and here's what I know about the goodness of our God is he actually puts his finger on things he wants to heal. You know, my, my daughter has a, 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 a pretty nasty blister that's opened up, and it's, it's painful. And what I helped her understand is that if you don't clean it out, it's not going to heal correctly. And so oftentimes we have to be, be willing to submit that momentary pain of opening our heart, by the way, he already knows, <laughs> so that we can get the full healing that God wants to bring and he wants to restore our lives. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. We have to choose to give God our disappointment, be on guard against the enemy's attacks when we're disappointed. We have to focus on the long-term fulfillment instead of the short-term satisfaction, and we have to trust God with everything we have. And if we do that, we can rest in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. It's a promise to us, church. No matter what you're facing today, it's a promise that we can stand on. We never want to close a service here at Catalyst uh, without giving you an opportunity to make that decision, maybe for the first time or recommitting your heart to Christ. And Jeremy's going to come in just a moment. He's going to lead you with some next steps. But I also know that anytime we open God's word, he reads us. 
Anytime we come expectant and open, he'll speak. And so I just want to take a moment. I don't want to rush through this moment because I know it's a sacred moment because we all have things to do after we leave church. But I want to take this moment for you to talk to God. I just want to take a couple, couple seconds for you to just give him that disappointment or discouragement that you have in your heart. He has a great exchange for you. And I want to pray for you. Father, we give you the areas of discouragement and disappointment, God, today. Lord, that are, are maybe causing us to believe lies that, that are, are not from you, God. They are so far from the truth. God, would you give us courage, Father, to fight with the tools you've given us. You've given us your word as a promise. Help us to stand on that today, Father. God, I pray that you would give us vision and glimpses, Father, of all that you have for us, God, and help us to stand strong until we see them come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen.